Welcome to episode 118, Hellbass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today, we take our stab at breaking down the changes to the Bassmaster Opens Elite Qualification for 2023. Give you my angle, give you Joe Willard's angle. Then we get into some iCast talk. There's a couple little rough spots of audio with some Wi-Fi issues, but for the most part, they get over it pretty quick. So just fast forward a little bit, stick with it, enjoy the episode. And as always, it'll help you keep more big bass, suck less. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are live on a Wednesday night, Hellabass Live, getting our rhythm, sticking to it. And tonight, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about the Bassmaster Opens. I think there's still a few more things to talk about when it comes to the Bassmaster Opens. And uh, because I've never fished a Bassmaster Open, and everybody says in, on, on Facebook and Instagram and in the comments that if, if you haven't fished them, you got no place to talk about it. So I said, well, I'll just I'll call Joel. He's fished a couple. What's up, Joel? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah. <clears throat> so we had Joel and Greg on, what, maybe like a year and a half ago, a year ago? A little over a year ago, right before you guys tackled the Bassmaster Opens all nine plus the league in a season. Mm -hmm. We kind of previewed that. So, uh, yeah, Joel's got plenty of open experience, plenty of local Minnesota tournament experience. He fished a year on the NPFL. Did I get that right? The league. So, and you've you've actually fished. Did you fish the FLW Tour for a while? I fished the FLW Tour in 19. Yep, that's about it. Yeah, and you made the cup. That year, didn't you? Yeah, made the cup. Yeah, that was the last Forestwood Cup, right? It was. You and Douglas both made the top 10, right? Am I remembering that? Uh, I finished, I think, 11th or or 12th. I was fishing next to Thrift. Who? Brian Thrift. Never heard of her. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help fishing. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about people's dreams and whether they're smashed or what this really means. And uh, yeah, also maybe more widely known for a couple of Tourney Tuesday appearances this year. He probably made more money in the Tourney, Tourney Tuesdays than he did in the Open so far this year. I guarantee, I guarantee it. <laughs> the travel costs, I guarantee it. I fished one last night, actually. I subbed in for my buddy Jared. Oh, spoiler. Well, that's probably, uh, I don't know. He's been taking them two days. That might be tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Otherwise, yeah. maybe the video just drops. I don't know. Maybe somebody can let us know. <clears throat> yeah, great. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the opens. And if we run out of stuff to talk about, Joel was at iCast last week, too. So we can get some of his insight on iCast if we run out of stuff to talk about in the opens. And we may have a special guest bop in uh, after they finish up their Wednesday night derb. So we'll see. Um, so to kind of level set here, uh, for those that – didn't hear this, haven't seen all the discussions on Facebook and everywhere else in social media. Basically, Bassmaster dropped a bit of a bombshell or big news or big change for the qualification for the elites through the Bassmaster Open for 2023. 
and they did that like the week leading up to iCast, right? It basically dropped beginning of that week, so about a week ago. Or no, it dropped like, I guess it was like the Thursday or I think it was the last day of practice. It was like Wednesday, like the 11th or something like that. Because I was actually practicing on Vermilion, and my buddy Michael's like, oh, did you see this? And we were talking about it. <clears throat> so, so it's been about two weeks. And basically the big news is instead of three guys from each division plus three in the overall, total of 12 qualifying for the elites, it's going to be nine from the overall, and that's it. So two big changes. We're going from 12 to nine, so three less spots. But no more can you fish one division, fish three tournaments, and make it. You have to fish all nine. So you basically have to fish darn near an elite schedule uh, to make the elites, right? So you almost have to to be a pro before you can become a pro. Does that make sense? Did I, did I miss anything there, Joel, or did I pretty much? No, no, that's that's exactly it. You can still uh, you can still make the Bassmaster Classic through through one of the if you just fish one of the divisions, win a tournament, you can still make the Bassmaster Classic. But there is no elite qualification for the single division. Yeah, so you can still chase your dream and make a classic. You can still jackpot a local open. Uh, from where you're from and, and and win some money or make a classic or do things like that. But if you really think you want to make the elites, it's now going to be a nine tournament gauntlet instead of, uh, you know, fishing three ponds where maybe around your house or not driving too far. Uh, <clears throat> and so what I'll, the, the hot take or the quick take is what uh, Greg's putting out here is basically saying wiped out the average Joe hopefuls, I think. And that's probably a good place, to, good way to describe it, Greg, because I think a lot of the average Joe are exactly hopefuls. Not saying all of them. There, there are exceptions. But I think there's a lot of people that were really kind of hopeful, but in practicality, it probably wasn't realistic anyways, even through a single division. So we'll talk a whole bunch about that. But the other thing is, like, so when, you know, yeah, two, the, the full field of the Opens is 225. And so I don't know what the number is that fished all three like a single division on average, but I would bet it's 150 to 175. We're probably fishing all three somewhere in that neighborhood. By the time the end of the, I mean, at the beginning of the year with 225, right? All signed up. But once somebody has a bad open in Florida, then they drop out and then the local will jump in and take their spot for the second one and the third one. So by the end of the season, you probably got, you know, 175 guys that fished all three. So basically three spots going to, you know, you have to be in the top three out of somewhere between 150 and 200 people, right? So you got somewhere between a one and a half and maybe 3% chance just on paper, regardless how good your fishing is, that uh, you were going to qualify through a single division. Mm-hmm. And then in the overalls, they were given three. In the last two years, I think it's like year one, I want to say it was like 60-some guys. Like three years ago, it was like maybe 40 or 50 fished all three. Last year, it was like 60, 70. And this year, it was like 80-some. Yeah, I think, yeah, eighty-five or eighty-eight. So, so fishing the all-rounds, you know, you're you're definitely better odds. And now going forward, right? Uh, I would guess the number is going to go up slightly that fish all of them. I don't think it's going to be two twenty-five, but I bet you'd be around a hundred-ish, maybe one twenty-five. I think they were, and this came out of uh, the tournament director's mouth, uh, Hank Weldon. He he's. Uh, expecting like 125 to 150 next year so yeah it's uh it'll be it'll be interesting i mean there was there's 80 guys this year and there's a pile of guys on the waiting list just to get into you know a single division or just to fish all the open so it's 
you know, it's, it's one of those things where even though we have to fish all nine to qualify, I think they're, I think they're going to get the 125 to 150 and, you know, is it, is it going to be easier to do it that way? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be just as hard. Yeah. I mean, I still think the odds are better for somebody that honestly, for somebody like yourself, Joel, that's got, uh, years of experience fishing at this level who's putting in full seasons whether it's on the nfp and nf npfl uh toyota's opens whether you've done a stint at the pro circuit or whatever right the, the people that have done that they know how to travel they know how to break down new waters they know what it's like to travel those anglers are going to be in a better position because they're going to be fishing for nine spots <clears throat> and out of let's say 100 to 150 that's still better odds than three and 80 right you're still mm-hmm. percentage wise um <clears throat> and if you're willing to stick with it through a few years you know i think to say these anglers that are at that level if they can dedicate now that's not an easy task right because you've already been at it for a few years but if you can dedicate a couple of years chances are somebody like yourself joel or some of these other anglers that are in that mix like matt pangrak and brad holman and andrew upshaw some of the you know guys we we know and talk about a lot that if now that it's nine out of let's say a hundred chances are like you're going to put it together in a season and the one thing about this in a nine tournament series right like one bad day where you had a gps clock malfunction or you had a battery problem and you showed up three minutes late or you know or you just had your trolling motor bat or your you know you had engine problems and you fish by the ramp that day and you could only scrap together you know eight pounds on a shaky head or whatever like that doesn't like completely destroy your chances like it does in a three fish format you know what i mean so i think that does help the you know the, the journeyman veteran anglers to some degree yeah no it's it's definitely it definitely gives you a little bit of room to make a few errors um you know, it's just you still got to catch them. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. But, but you can definitely you can definitely have one bad tournament and still recover from it. Where if you're if you're fishing only with one division, three tournaments, you have one bad tournament, you're over. And well, even one mediocre tournament, you're done, right? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's, say it's, I think it's taken in, in like the average of a top twenty. Um, right. Basically, yeah, you you can put. You know, on average, like 50, 60 points, you can leave on the table, right? So, like, if you have to basically average a 15 to a top 20 in three events, that's typically what the number is to qualify through a single division, which means basically if you come out of the gate and you cash a check, 40th place out of 225 guys, feeling pretty good. Like, I didn't make any money, but I covered most of my expenses. I'm in the mix. But actually, you're barely hanging on at that point. You basically got a top two. You know what I mean? Like you got to like top 10 out of 225 the next two, even if you finish 40th, most likely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I guess I didn't even ask you this, Joel. And uh, what are your thoughts? you think this is good or bad? You know, or what, it's, what is your general take of this move or change? I mean, selfishly, I, I like it. I mean, I'm, I've been fishing all nine. Um you know, you know, I like it. I, I definitely see both sides of it. And, you know, with, with me saying that, yeah, I like it. And, and I'm fishing all nine. I mean, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously super expensive to travel across the country and fish. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't, 
if you don't take a top 10, you're not really making any money in these Bassmaster Opens. You know, I, uh, I just got back from Oneida a couple of weeks ago. I, I beat 90% on the field on Oneida, cash a check, and I still lost money. You know, it's it's so hard to, so it's it's so hard to, you know, I'm treating this like a business, you know, and and this is this is where it's, you know, fishing all nine of those is really, you have to treat it as a business. It's it's not going to be, you know, for the guys that, uh, that are just doing it as a hobby. So, and I think that's where kind of where Bass, when they made this decision, from what I understand, is kind of what what they wanted. You know, that's how, that's how they wanted to prepare the anglers that are getting into the Elite Series, which is why they did this. They wanted these. They wanted the anglers coming into the Elite Series to be as uh, as prepared as they can. And a guy who travels across the country, fishes all nine opens, and qualifies that way, it's going to be a lot more prepared than a guy who drove two hours or three hours from his house, fished three tournaments, had three good events, and now he's jumping in head first into the elites. And uh, is, he, is he ready to go across the country? Yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of guys that, that are plenty good enough to go do it. And it's been proven, you know, obviously somebody like Bob Downey has went out and fished three tournaments, qualified, and is having very very successful uh, time on the elites. But I'm going to say that majority of the people that fish around their house qualify and then just jump headfirst into the into the elites against against that caliber of fishermen i mean it's going to be a tough road to hold yeah and 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 we say bob's doing pretty well but honestly bob's on the bubble like for like staying in the elites right now i mean he's he's been doing okay but it's not like he's right i mean he's he's not lighting it up he's he's holding his own he's making i mean he's getting slightly better each year and you know bob fished the bass nation made several regionals Right. Uh, so he traveled a bit. I know he went to Gunnersville. I know he went to some other places. He fished the river a lot. I don't know if he fished BFLs, but like he definitely traveled and fished quite a bit. He might have even done some coast up at some point to kind of prepare. Uh, you know, Jay Shakurit fished one division last year, I think. Yeah. Um, but he spent two full seasons fishing them all as a co. So yeah, he's got doing the, the things to put in preparation. <laughs> so there are people that come out of a single division, but for every you know, single division angler. And, and even like guys like Caleb Kufal was a single division guy, same year that Bob made it. Mm-hmm. Caleb's on the fringes. He won an elite event and he's still on the fringes of requalifying because he's had like really good events, really bad events, right? <clears throat> so, uh, and I think for every case you put like that, you've got anglers that, you know, <laughs> from whatever division you want to pick, they, they qualified in the Northern division, right? Where they got maybe they got help on the James, and then they had two tournaments in North or uh, you know New York in their backyard, right? Mm-hmm. And then they've never been to Ufala or Rayburn or you know places like that, and they go down there and like they're lost, right? And they just they 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 they, they don't even make it to the Northern Swing their rookie year because they're out of money and out of like the, you know, and then you got guys from you know the Central Division that like the Red and Fort Gibson and you know Texoma right and like they're all in their backyard and they've got buddies and unlimited practice right and they they qualify there and they've never even caught a smallmouth in their life <laughs> and all of a sudden they're on the Elite Series they've never even caught a spotted bass maybe and it's so I think there's you know several factors that I think sure this does kind of really require you to get your ducks in a row on many levels one that you kind of got to start building your your financial business plan, your portfolio, your sponsors, your whatever it is, right? You either need to like, if, if you're a guy like myself that has a salary job working 40, 50 hours a week with four weeks of vacation, 
well, you got you got a couple options. You either better get good at marketing or social media and put together a great portfolio that you can, you know, fish towards the opens, right? And kind of have some of that built in that, you know, when you make the elites, it's not, you know, because like if you just go in and fund the opens yourself and you make it and just think that the elites all of a sudden is going to be like, oh, yeah, here's here's all this money. You're in a much better position, I think, like yourself, Joe, where you, you've got some decent sponsors that are helping you out mm-hmm. that I would expect that you've had conversations with them that when you make the tour, or when you make the elite, you would hope to have, you know, uh, a proportionate increase to help with the costs and with the exposure they're going to get. Right. So I think you got to put that or you need to like you need to invest in real estate or become a contractor or a house flipper or whatever it is that allows you to be, you know, you got to basically start your own business to become an entrepreneur in some facet to self fund this or have money coming in where you don't have to be there swinging a hammer or typing on a keyboard. And that's the reality of it is that this was never a get rich scheme quick, you know, to the top, for the average working man, even in the old system, let's just be honest. Like if I would have went and fished what Bob did, I would have had to have some real hard conversations if I thought I was going to fish the elites without having like this plan. Right. So, I mean, it's like, let's say you're like, you're the greatest, uh, you know, let's say you you got a 40 hour week job and it's like, I went and played three good weeks for the saints. And now I want to go play for the Yankees when I'm done. Right. Like, it's like, that's, that's not how pro sports work. (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) um, and I would say that that's kind of the biggest thing too, is that, you know, there's with this change, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of people that, that are complaining about it. And I, I totally get it. You know, guys that, aren't able to either get off work or, you know, financially don't, aren't able to go fish all nine. Well, I mean, if you, if you were to fish, fish those three and make it and you weren't financially set for it, I mean, that's, I think that's a big misunderstanding for a lot of people is that, you know, people think that if you make the elite series that people are just going to open their, their pocketbooks and start, start handing out money. And man, I'm telling you, that is not the case at all. I mean, I, I travel with a bunch of elite guys, guys that have been on the elites, guys that are currently on the elites. I've talked to a bunch of them, really good friends with a bunch of them. And I'm telling you, you know, if, if that's what you think, that you just make the elite series and you're going to get tons of sponsors and they're just going to give you all the money in the world, that it is so far from the truth. So, you know, and that's, and, I, and obviously Bass knows that. And, uh, you know, I think that they just, they're the biggest thing the biggest reason they're doing this is to, to prepare people. They don't want to see people fail. They don't, you know, there's been plenty of people that have gone on the elites, had a bad season and can afford the next one. So just preparing, preparing everybody the best they can is I think really the, uh, their, their main reasoning behind it. Yeah. And, and I, and I think a lot of these people that are the keyboard warriors, uh, and a lot of these people that had, and, and, and people that have jumped into the opens to try it, a lot of them you see that are like, oh, my dreams are crushed. They, these are not guys that you've, most of them, there are exceptions. They are not dominating the local stuff. They are not winning BFLs. They are not, you know, winning the Denny's team of the year. They are not, you know what I mean? It's like they, they got like a third place in the Fishers and Men once, and all of a sudden they're fishing in the opens, and they're like, oh, I'm chasing my dream. And it's like, I don't know. Most of the people that are complaining aren't in a position and, you know, like, you got to catch them. And I I think that's somewhat has been lost 
in in recent times is I mean, even you know, the guys talk about like you know swindles and and, and browers and guys back in the day, but if you ever listen to them on podcasts and stuff, they talk about how like they dominated their Tuesday nighters. Then they fished the local team circuit and they won team of the year three years in a row and won a boat. And then they went and fished the regional circuit like the, the Jerry Ryan circuit down south or whatever that big circuit they all fished, right? Or they were mm-hmm. doing the 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 golden blend, which became the red man. And like they have this story about how they like worked their way up and they like, you know, made money. They won boats. They like right there was a path. Now it seems like today people just want to like jump in the opens and become an elite angler without like fishing clubs, you know, like doing team tournaments, like fishing BFLs. Like it's just like they just think like, oh no, I'm I'm pretty good. Like I can catch fish at home. I'm just gonna I'm gonna become a pro. Like I don't know. I, I feel like there's just a huge gap. People just want to make this jump to like, you know, <clears throat> think they're going to, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's definitely a lot more than just going out and catching fish. I mean, everybody that's fishing the opens right now is can catch fish. Everybody knows how to use it. Let's say everybody. Let's say most of them. I, okay. Well, majority of the guys that are out there can definitely. You ever heard of Lucas Bogosian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like fishing against him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, more than just, more than just being on the water. I mean, it's, it's a traveling portion, you know, I mean, getting, you know, that's, that's kind of the biggest, one of the biggest things is just traveling and, and being able to get the right mindset and just understanding all that. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of it is, is just, uh, you know, freeing your mind and, and being able to make sure everything where you're staying, all, just all the traveling portion is, is dialed in so you don't have to worry about anything except going to catch bass when you get out on the water. Yeah. And I don't know what my point was, but <laughs> yeah, I think uh <clears throat> it's it's and I mean and, and to Bass's credit, right? Last year every division within ten minutes of it opening had an eighty angler wait list. Yeah. So <clears throat> they were kind of forced to do something, right? Because on the flip side there are talented anglers that are in position to want to fish all nine that maybe let's say we're fishing Toyotas or maybe they were fishing the pro circuit or right. But, and they were literally in a lottery situation to be able to try to get in and fish all nine to try to register for those. Now, obviously there's, you know, the requalifications of the opens and like, so I, I forget how many people like go through the pre-steps. I don't know if you remember, like uh, your Bass Nation, your priority entry through the opens. Uh, I mean, how, you know how many that is? Like those spots? Uh, I don't, to be honest. I mean, but it ends up being like less than half of those spots come down to like, right? Just like how good your internet connection is, and whether you can be there at you know ten fifty nine fifty nine a.m. to like hit the button like a swim bait drop on like right like, right. and that's not fair also to the anglers, right? Like there's, you know, uh, so I think they had to do something, and I think this is like the first step. And I think if you haven't listened to the Andrew Upshaw, Bradley Hallman interview with Hank Weldon, I think that's good to listen to because Mm -hmm. it it does allude to several things that I think this was the first step. And I think they wanted to get that open to get people ready. So people that are serious about fishing all nine can start to like get their heads wrapped around it, start making plans, start having conversations because I do think there are other changes that are coming they're not ready to announce yet but i think that hopefully address some of these issues because i'm not going to pretend that this is like 
all roses and butterflies. Like there are a lot of things wrong with the Bassmaster Opens and, and professional fishing in, in general, right? Like, A, we're still fishing for each other's money for the most part. Not me, but like people fishing professionally, even locally, right? So it's never going to be a real professional sport. <laughs> and we're not totally dependent on entry fees, right? Because it's going to be really hard at the Opens, the Elites, the BPT, when we're relying on fishing for each other's money. So the Opens... I, I think pretty much everyone would agree the Opens is the worst paying circuit on the planet. Yeah, it's like literally even like local team trails. Like the Opens is probably the worst paying circuit there is. So I think, you know, hopefully they can make, you know, maybe there's an AOI for the people that fish them all, right? Maybe the guys that actually make the top nine get some kind of entry fee rebates. I mean, I'm just speculating, right? But hopefully there is, or maybe they could possibly have like some kind of like team deals lined up <laughs> who knows right it'd be really great if they could because they're going to try to, they're going to call it kind of rebrand this the eqs right the elite qualification series so hopefully they can do some put some things in place either with like bonuses or aois or like rebates or something for the people that do finish in the top nine because there's a pretty good chance the guy that finishes ninth or maybe even seventh who knows fifth could have lost money on the opens, right? And so you 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 went in and you already got <laughs> debt or you're behind the eight ball. And then probably what sixty days after you finish the last open, they're gonna hey, we'd love to see your uh, your first deposit for the uh, the elite series for uh, fifteen thousand or thirty thousand or whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah, that's so it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes come in that respect. Um. And it sounded like you know, I, I listened to that that uh, show as well with with uh, Upshaw and Hallman and and Hank Weldon. Um, you know, it sounded like they were working on some stuff maybe at ICAST, uh, waiting for a few more things. But yeah, he did. He definitely did say there's some more things coming down the line of of some changes. And you know, I don't I don't have a clue uh, clue what they are, but hopefully it's for the better. I mean, I, I would assume it is. You know, hopefully we can get some get some Increase payouts or, or something along those lines, but yeah, increase coverage. Yeah, you know, so that you know the people that are fishing online, hopefully, are going to get more impressions, more spotlight, TV coverage, live coverage, things like that. Yeah, we're trying to we'll work on that leg. I am excited about the schedule next year. I don't know it, but with what uh, Hank was saying that. The Opens are, there's only, what, two tournaments that they've been to in the last 10 years, and the uh, the other seven they've either not been to in the last 10 years or never have been to. So things are going to change up a bunch, and I'm excited for it. It's it's uh, without having the Bass Pro Shops as a title sponsor, not having to weigh in at a Bass Pro on the third day, you know, it really opens up a lot of venues for them to go to. So Hopefully that means there's a new title spot. Well, St. Croix, I think, is the oh, sponsor. Croix's the, yeah. Hopefully there's <laughs> I don't feel like St. Croix's probably got the pockets to like really change like the payout schedule. <laughs> I mean, we love St. Croix, but like right. most rod companies aren't like marketing budgets, not going to necessarily change the po the payout across, uh, you know, so we'll see. So hopefully there's more sponsors and things like that coming uh, that, that can change this, right? Hopefully there's <clears throat> more incentives, more kickbacks, 
or bonuses. Those are all things that really need to change at the open to make this like a viable thing for people like you, Joel, and, and other people. Um, now, and the other thing that I want to touch on, right? Like, I guess the other thing that I think needs to update a little bit is the off limits, right? I think I would assume you'd want to see something like, even if it's. I, would, I am all about changing that up. I mean, right now, those lakes are getting so beat up by the time we even get out to them. I mean, guys are going out there for three weeks to a month and practicing every day. And, and it's just these fisheries are so beat up and they get, you know, beat up for that long. And then we got to go out there on tournament day and try to try to catch them. I mean, I'm I am all about a, a 30 day off limits, three days of practice and, and go uh, go fishing. You know, it's, yeah. I, I'd love to see that. That's just that's that's how I do the best. When I went out to Oneida, I, I had two days of practice out there and and went fishing. You know, I, I don't like a long practice because all it does is spread me out. And it's just, you know, everybody's different. But for me personally, it's I'd like to see a 30 day off limit and three days of practice. Yeah, I, I don't know what the magic number is, but, you know, the, we believe now Bass hasn't really said other than like Hank alluded to it is really to like prepare anglers for what they're going to face right and so unlimited practice does not prepare you for the elites because in the elites you get two and a half two and three quarters days of practice and no information right so i think it, it could even be four or five days of practice with a week off limits like that would even be a huge step right we basically just want to eliminate the anglers that just camp there like they they basically go from right the people that <laughs> the Japanese anglers no offense to them are famous for this right they like literally go and camp and leave one event and go to the next one set up shop and just fish every day until right so and which is good that's great for time on the water and there's no reason the people that can do that and can be that much on the water is great but like you're gonna have to go to the lake next door and fish for 20 days and then you can show up and fish for four or five or three or whatever on the tournament lake right so um, i don't i think the no information rule is going to be hard to probably like really you know i I don't think we're going to see a 30 day like three like you would hope that matches like the tour but i think they got to do something to get it down to where like you have basically three to five official days and then a week or two of off limits and you know a no info period during that final two to three weeks Mm-hmm. Um, I think they get enough guides, enough local anglers <clears throat> that I think that would severely, if they went much more than a week or two, I think they'd have trouble filling the 225 because there's a lot of guys. Because, you know, again, with all nine, I don't, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to fish a single division or jackpot a couple tournaments. And if, if these local guys can't fish, I mean, if we had a tournament on Tonka and it was off limits for 30 days, they wouldn't get that many people sign up because there's so many guys that want to fish all their Denny's and their Wednesday nighters and all their team leagues. Right. So, I mean, like there's a balance that bass needs to weigh on the economics. Right. Makes sense. I guess I didn't I never really thought about, it. I'm just thinking from, right. from my personal standpoint of driving across the country to fish a lake that I'm not going to go to, but three or four days before it anyhow. So yeah, the opens are wide open basically until what the two or three days uh, yeah, so typically the tournament's on a Thursday. Uh, official practice starts on the Monday before, typically. So it's Monday, Tuesday, we get a half day, Wednesday. So it's like two and a half days of official practice, which is the no info rule. Right. So basically the Sunday before a Thursday tournament, you can be out with a local, a guide, whatever, up until mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Hopefully my is the my connection a little better? 
for people watching. I tried to like adjust some stuff, so hopefully my connection my uh, a little better. All right, uh, and I do think you're gonna see. I think a few people talked about this. Here is. Uh, Yeah, I think you're going to see quite a few people shift to the Toyotas, things like that. The people that were fishing single divisions, things like that. If the Classic really wasn't their carrot, I think you're going to see them go and fish more Toyotas and things like that. I don't think Bass is going to lose viewership over this. Um, it'll be interesting to see. If they don't make some of these other changes for the anglers, I think this could be a bad trajectory for Bass on the open level. And I think it's a wait and see. I think we have to see what else they do with this before we can definitively, you know, rule on whether this was a good business decision or not. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, they they changed it, you know, when they changed it a couple of years ago where they had the, the championship and it just that didn't bode well and they changed it back. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, change sucks. Nobody likes change necessarily, but, you know, they're going to, they're going to do what they think is right. And if it doesn't work out, they'll, change it to something else or change it back the way it was which was, what was working but you know i don't think that that they're going to change everything and make it way worse or you know it's gonna stop the fields from being full basically right i i tend to think <clears throat> they probably won't fill up in seven minutes <laughs> like they have been um i i do think they're going to get around 100 or so that fish all nine uh, I don't think we have to worry about nobody. I think Joel, are you as of now? Are you planning to fish? I mean, assuming you don't finish this season strong and fish the elites, do you plan? I mean, at this point, plan to fish the opens next year? Yeah, yeah, I definitely plan on it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know I don't. I I obviously have some sponsor help, but you know I'm I'm forking a lot of this money out of my own pocket, and this is I don't have another income besides fishing. So you know I need to cash checks to keep this train rolling and. You know, it's I, I'm definitely planning on it, and uh, unless something drastic changes, you know, I mean, we'll just kind of kind of have to see how it goes. You know, hopefully we can get some more more sponsor help and uh, and keep it rolling. But you know, it's just it's just not sustainable. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, I went out to went out to Oneida, finished top twenty, beat ninety percent of the field, got a decent paycheck there, and and with the travel costs right now, I, I still lost money going out there. So it's just not a not a sustainable not sustainable as a business to go out, do your job, finish well, and still lose money. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, my plan is my plan is to fish all nine of them again and uh, see what happens. But hopefully we can just get it done this year, make the elites, and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Year, so. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, Stephanie, I, I don't know. I know – Right when the MLF split happened, Bassmaster had a bunch of kind of ad hoc invites <laughs> at that time. But in the last three, four years, it's all it's been a fairly stringent qualification. It's been pretty straightforward. I would say their qualification has been much more straightforward than what I've seen on the MLF BPT, where it's been very wishy-washy on who they bring up and who they don't. Um, so, and this is all part of the plan, right? Is they basically are going to, you know, so basically nine new open anglers are going to get qualify and one Bass Nation qualify every year. So basically the top 10 of the elites on a rolling average last two to three years, depending on your seniority on the on the Bass Master Elite Series, are going to be relegated uh, back to the EQ, right? And 
10 people are going to go up. So they have a pretty clear cut program in place and it's going to be even more clear cut with these changes, Stephanie. So hopefully that clears things up, but um, they really haven't, they have the legends and I clarified this with Ronnie Moore, the guys like David Fritz and Rick Clun who are not at their prime. I mean, obviously they're legends of the sports for a reason. Their spots are on top. So if, if Bassmaster is targeting 80 or they're targeting 90 and that's the way their formula is built, guys like Fritz and Clun and whoever else are on top of that. They're not taking anybody's spot that's either coming or going. Um, yeah, so I guess we're going to talk. So, like, yeah, let's talk about how you're sitting, Joel. You've, we're, what, five out of nine opens are done now? Five out of nine, yep. we got four left. So you've fished, uh, was it two Southerns, two Northerns, and one Central? Yep. Look at that. <clears throat> Not just a yeah, hand. Yeah, I, I had to think about it. Yeah, we got yeah, one northern, two centrals, and a southern. So, so how, are, how are we doing? Uh, so in the northerns, you're sitting... I don't, I don't know where I'm at as far as divisions go. I mean, I know I'm... Right now in the overall, I'm in, I'm in ninth. I think I'm like 71 points out of out of third right now to make the elite. So 71 points, it's, it's really not that much. I mean, you know, I just, I got to catch them and right. you know, see what, uh, see what happens from there. But, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. I mean, I feel like if I can get a check in the last four, I, I'd have a, a great shot at making it, you know, just depending on how the rest of the guys do, but I still, uh, still have a shot to the centrals as well. We had one, the first centrals at Ross Barnett, I finished in 26 or 24, 26, I believe. Um, so you've got two centrals left. We're going to Rayburn, which I've been there quite a few times. I've done really well there. And uh, in the Red River, actually going to the Red River before Rayburn, which I've never been to. And I heard that if you just catch a limit there, you might win a tournament. So yeah. <laughs> you can catch 15 bass, you might win. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what to expect there, but um, excited to get down there. Excited to get back on the road and go fishing and see what happens. Yeah, awesome. So that's cool. Um I did see a question here. What what happened to Greg? <laughs> no, Greg, uh, Greg just fished the Southerns this year. Um, we fished two of those Southerns. There's one at the end of the year at Lake Harwell. Um, he's kind of, I guess you could say maybe kind of retiring from fishing. Um, you know, he's got, he's got two young kids that are I think five and eight and they're getting into soccer and baseball and doing all that stuff. And it's just one of those things where, he doesn't want to miss. He doesn't want to miss his kids growing up, miss all their games and that kind of stuff. So he's kind of stepping back from fishing a little bit and and doing the uh, doing the family thing and and coaching his kids in baseball and soccer and all that. And you know, it's uh, I guess how can you blame him? So, yeah. So at least dialing it back for a few years for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where if he wants to jump back in and and go fishing again once his kids get a little bit older or whatever, it's that possibility is always there. So. Uh, Eric, yeah, I, my understanding is that double qualifications in the – so currently, <laughs> current double qualifications go down the open list. The uh, I, don't, I don't remember if they go for the overalls or they go uh, – it's, it's a little confusing. Overall, see, that's a, that was kind of a big thing last year is that if there was double qualifications, they went down the list in the single division versus the overall 
And I think they got a lot of flack on that. And I just, I didn't, I never understood it. Like, how, why would you yeah. put on the single division and not, not take care of the guys that are fishing all nine, right? So they did change that this year. So if there's a double double qualification, they're going to go down the list in the overall versus the single division. Right. And I, I don't, I forget though, like, let's say, <clears throat> let's say, uh, Brandon Polnick, I don't even know if he's fishing him. <laughs> but let's say he's second in the points in the Northerns. He's not fishing the Northerns. I can Ellie. I can fishing the Northerns. He's actually like fifth in the points in the Northerns. Let's say he finishes in the top three. Do you know what happens there? Do they go down? I think that the Northerns, or does that go to the Elite? I, I, and what they did last year is they took a spot from the Elite. So the first person out of the Elite qualification got back in. in points, they took that spot. Yeah. Now, I, I guess I honestly I don't know. I think that's how they're doing it again this year, um, but I'm not. I'm not 100. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing. I know. I know Kenta Kamara's maybe leading the points in the Northern Division. He's got to be. He's, took two top tens, and then he's in the overall. He uh, he's right up there as well. He's he's in the top five, I think. So if he double qualifies, I think that. We'll take a spot from the overall, go down the list in the overall, and then his spot in the Northerns, I believe, will go to the first person out in the Elite Series. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Elite guys fishing all nine going forward, but we'll see. No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think, obviously, a lot of the guys that, that don't requalify this year will, will be fishing all nine. Obviously. But it sounds like next year, all the spots, like, they will give nine spots away in the Opens. Yeah. That's sounds like pretty concrete. Like whatever double, and if there's any double qualifications or anything like that, and I don't know if, if somebody refuses it, I don't can't imagine many people fishing all nine refusing. But you could have a freak thing, right, where you have a, a big life changing event or something. But uh, sure. um, it sounds like that's pretty concrete. And so that'll be take care of some of this like wishy washy. This goes here, this goes there. Complicated. It's it's going to be pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is a good question. Wild turkey with a splash of ginger. I'm having some diet do with a little bit of vodka in it. How about yourself, Joe? Just water for you? I am uh, drinking some Captain Market private stock. Nice. I do like some rum with some uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. I'm trying to finish up some old stuff in the the pantry. (laughs) Um, Kayla, what keeps professionals competing in smaller scale tournaments and dominating? Well, Joel likes to fish local Tuesday nighters with Sam Sobey. Um, nothing preventing that. It kind of depends on the local circuits, right? Um, in Minnesota, there's not much, but I know places like Texas and like that, a lot of the team tournaments have rules about like if you've paid more than X in entry fee or if you've ever been on these trails or tours, you're not allowed to fish the local stuff. But that is really dependent on the circuit and where you live. But for the most part, nothing other than that Sometimes fishing in the local holes against people that fish all the time is not as easy as it sounds, even for a, a pro. No, it's not. I was actually just, I think yesterday, I just listened to one of uh, Bass Talk Live. Matt Pangrak was, had a podcast with Josh Butler, and they were talking about that, actually. And I think it was from a few weeks ago. But they, uh, I mean, honestly, traveling across the country and, and being gone all the time, coming back to these local these local lakes, I don't ever really get to fish back home very much anymore. This year I got a little bit of break now and, and I've been fishing a bunch around here, but 
I mean, last night I fished a Tuesday nighter uh, with another buddy and it's a lake that I've never been to. I've never been on it in my life. And we just went out there and kind of winged it and we ended up taking third last night. But, you know, it's it, for me to go out there and just dominate when all, you know, these guys have been out there practicing for the past three days. I mean, they're locating these fish and we just show up. I mean, it's, I mean, it, you know, nowadays electronics and lake maps and all that is so good that it's, people can find these fish, people can find these little secret spots and, you know, to just go out and dominate, it's, it's not as easy as you think. It's, you got to put time on the water to, to find them and find the right fish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, that's interesting. Uh, we haven't really talked about spray. Maybe we'll talk about that later, but like, it'll be interesting because like, I think Poche is fishing all nine opens and I don't know how he's working that around the BPT schedule, but this yep. is now, uh, there's several BPT guys that are fishing like one or two divisions, but this is almost certainly going to come down to that if there are MLF or BPT anglers that want to qualify for the elites, they're probably going to have to drop out of the BPT to do it first. Because it, I'm guessing the way these two organizations work together, not so much, <laughs> that they are going to definitely have hard conflicts on top of each other where it will be most likely impossible to fish all nine opens and still fish the BPTs. So. For somebody like, and basically that's what Prosnick did when he requalified, right? He basically dropped out of the BPTs and it took him two years. I think the first year he didn't do great. The second year he like dominated. I think he won the points, right? Or pretty close. Um, I think those dipping their toes in both pools are going to have a hard time doing that with this change. Yeah, it's, yeah, Plache is definitely doing it. I know Zach Bird started out the year planning on fishing all nine opens and the BPT and I don't believe he's fishing the opens anymore i think it just got to be too much or i don't know what happened but i don't think it was at the last couple opens but uh i think there was there was a conflict on i think he made the final day on the bpt and missed would have missed the first day on one of the opens so it just didn't work out but um it's yeah it's one of those things where i think you're gonna almost have to have to pick one or the other depending on the schedule here's your chance thursday night or tomorrow night prior lake oh my gosh i'd love to i I've actually thought about that. I just, I uh, I'm headed to Iowa tomorrow afternoon, but I'm going to, and I think the next like three weeks, I'm I'm free on Thursday night, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit let you. me know if you want. I'll come fish one of you. We should, yeah, yeah. I'm totally down. I wouldn't. I don't. I guess I don't even know what time they take off or where they're taking off. Dan, send send us a DM. Let us know where we got to be and what time. <laughs> um. I'm actually going to fish a, a a little open on Friday night on Marion. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a twenty dollars per person, ten dollar big fish. So it's we're talking. Mm-hmm. All right, five thirty Lakefront Beach. Five thirty Lakefront. Write that down. Every Thursday, yeah. He's actually writing it down. Look at that. <clears throat> you got a pen in my hand. You, you got to take me because I, I don't know anything about. I'll just throw. I'll just sit in the back of the boat and throw a jig worm. I I don't really know prayer that well. I don't know either. I don't know how to catch big ones out there. I can go catch a million twelve inches. But... I've fished it two times in the last twenty years, and it's both been May. So I don't. I don't think any of that will apply. Actually, I did fish it Thursday nighter with my girlfriend last year, maybe, and she caught the hell out of them, and I literally netted all the fish, and we ended up winning. There you go. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet. But right out of the Sobe yeah. playbook with Steph the Great. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was like. Uh, 
Let's see here. There's a couple other questions I want to get to. Yeah, we talked about what, what companies do you work with, Joel? People want to know. Um, so I'm a, I got an apparel company, Striker Brands. Um, you guys are familiar. They're local out of Hudson. Um, Shimano G. Loomis, uh, Swagger Tungsten, working with Helen Burden and Coda. Uh, Process Outdoors. Um, probably, probably forgetting a couple of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. And all the great companies. <laughs> yeah. And all the rest of the great companies that, that I work with. Uh, pretty, nice. much, pretty much cover the basis. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, always, always trying to, uh, to get more companies or work with more companies that I believe in and, and like. And, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things where you always got to stay on it and, and uh, work as hard as you can to, to try to get some, get some support to be out on the road fishing. Yeah. Uh, I guess while we're talking about that, uh, yeah, it helps if you like the stream. That's always appreciated. Love all you guys being here. Uh, we are getting close to 10K subscribers. So if you guys are watching along and you're not subscribed, think about it. Lots of good stuff here. Uh, also, Joel, uh, him and Greg, I don't know if you're still, have you been still putting out content on the Sickness YouTube channel? Yeah. Slow down? Is it coming yeah, out? Not as much as we, as we should be or we used to. I mean, we're still doing all the all the tournaments um the oneida tournament should be done here in the next couple days so that's going to be that's going to be dropping real soon um yeah it's just it's you know we just been busy and greg's doing greg's doing his thing and i've been kind of doing my thing up here and uh just not putting out a lot of content but you know hopefully we'll get we'll get back to doing more content and and uh get it rolling again so it's a good point daniel Joel, we can just go on Omnia and see what they're biting on. There you go. And what the patterns are, and we'll just show up and fish. Yeah. Perfect. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. So let's see. We kind of talked about, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the payouts, the coverage, hopefully there's more things coming. And I guess I do want to touch on, I, you know, the people that want to call themselves the working man, which I, I kind of put myself in that category as a guy that, does okay around the house i fish a little bit regional had some success could be better could be worse but i feel like there should be bass nation clubs email inboxes and people should be like bashing down the door of the bass nation to fish if you know i mean like that's still a very legitimate route um you know what maddie wong did what caleb summerall did what brandon polinick did i mean iconelli denny brower i'm sure i'm missing some but it's years and years there's guys that have made it through the bass nation and right you, you qualify for your local state every state's a little different right and that state tournament or state qualifier could be a one tournament thing it could be a five tournament series right but then you get to a regional if you finish in the top 10 of however your state qualifies and you basically only have to beat nine other anglers to make to the nation and they make that seem easy these are usually 10 pretty skilled anglers fishing right <laughs> so i mean it's not a you know but it and then you get to the, the 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 national championship which i've been to three times and obviously i've not fished a classic yet but basically it's three anglers out of like 50 to 55 in a single tournament a three-day tournament basically a bassmaster open in a small field essentially and three guys punch your tickets to the classic and one of them gets an elite qualification so that is very very doable 
for the working man. And that is a legitimate. And then the great thing is, right, is that they set you up, unlike the way the Opens have been. Now, maybe this will change going forward, right? Is the Opens, you finish first overall, you basically just get the same, you know, the email that says turn in your deposits by <laughs> that everybody else does, right? Whereas the Bass Nation winner gets like, I want to say like $35,000 in credits to their entry fees mm-hmm. for the elites. They get free entry into one set of opens. They get, depending on the year, it's almost always been at least a boat and sometimes a truck lease for a year. So like, as far as like setting you up, like the open guy financially <laughs> out of the gate, regardless of what portfolio they have getting there, is you know in a much better place than the guy that finishes seventh in the opens as far as you know so i mean i think it's a really yeah, matt roberts uh, matt robertson fished the nation but he did not qualify for the nation he was at the national championship that i was at pickwick that was the one pat schlopper won matt's definitely had some success fishing the opens i think he won the bassmaster team trail once and got him to the classic uh, but he's he's done well in the nation, but he didn't qualify. But there are a lot of, you know, Albert Collins from Texas. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have fished the nation and have done well. And some of them have turned down the elite. that didn't take it. Yes, Brian Kirschel. Yep. Uh, that was before the split. But, yes, that's the Bass Nation National Championship Award is named after Brian Kirschel. Uh, so, I mean, it's – I mean, really, if you're serious and you have the dream, <laughs> right, like uh, that's really what – the working man or woman should really be focused on, uh, especially what you could be fishing while like, if you're serious about, you know, what I talked about earlier about like building out your lifestyle, you know, reducing your overhead, setting up your professional life so that you can have, you know, income that's not directly tied to your hours spent, right. However you want to do that. But while you're building that, you should be fishing the bass nation, um, along the path. So, just want to get that out there. I'll keep beating that drum. I mean, all you have to do is beat a couple of schlumps like me a couple times a year, and you're well on your way. It's that easy. Uh, exactly, Greg. Oh, what else did I want to touch on? Is there anything that I didn't touch on as far as opens, elite qualification that you think is interesting or we should touch on, Joel? Um, man, I think we kind of covered it all. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's just it's one of those things where it's change and, you know, you just got to take it for what it is. And, you know, I, again, I, I, I like the change personally, just, you know, selfishly, I like it just because I am fishing all night, but I 100% see it from, from both sides. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that we just got to take, take what we're given and drive on. And I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what other changes are going to be coming down the, coming down here real soon. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear them sooner or later. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I think this was a necessary step. And I think as long as they back it up with other incremental improvements, this will be a good thing in the long run. And it's a necessary step to go back to the point of me, like if we're really going to build out professional bass fishing to be a true professional sport, these are the kind of steps that need to be in place. 
And yes, this does eliminate some people fishing three tournaments because they got four weeks of vacation and making the elites. But like we said, that's not really realistic. And to elevate bass fishing to where it needs to be, where we're not playing for each other's money, these are the kind of hard steps we need to make. And yes, that means that you can't go from being a plumber or an accountant or a faction consultant like myself and fish three tournaments and become a pro. Yes. But no other pro sport can you do that. Now, you still have the opportunity to fish three tournaments and make it to the Classic and fish the Super Bowl. So that's still there, right? And if you win the the Classic, I think they probably figure out a way to get you in the Elites. So... Um, I was going to say that earlier. If you win the classic, I think you might. Uh, I think that comes with elite qualification. If you uh, if you win the classic, I'm not sure. Right. But so that's the thing. Is like to legitimize the sport and to get to where we need to be. There shouldn't be an easy button to fish in three tournaments to get to the top level. That's just reality. Now, hopefully, we can the industry can support this and make the changes and make it more viable. And I think ultimately, what Bass is trying to do or make the steps to is basically you kind of got like. For a long time, the MLF, FLW, right, Pro Circuit, and the Elites were considered on par, right? And then the BPT came and pushed the Pro Circuit down. But there's still probably a feeling that, like, the Opens, the Pro Circuit, and then, right? So I think Bass is trying to basically push the Opens up to be even with the Pro Circuit, right? Now, what we're missing is we don't have a BFL or anything like that feeding into the Opens at this point, which I think would be nice. I'm kind of sad they went away with the weekend series for Bassmasters, but I think this is the necessary steps. And I think the pieces we're missing is making financially (laughs) viable the opens as a place where you can not go into huge debt and at least stay afloat (laughs) at the opens and make, you know, at least, at least feed your family and, and make like a, a minimum wage income by fishing in the opens if you're moderately successful versus just getting buried in debt. So, yeah. And I think this absolutely is to help the people that are in the cycle, right? When they drop from the elites, that this EQ is a better landing spot to get back in there. So I think absolutely. as this matures, you're going to see, I, I don't want to name names, but guys that are maybe not your top tier in their first two years. I mean, let's, I mean, a guy like Caleb Kufal, right? He, he might be a great example. I don't know exactly where he is, but I'm guessing he's somewhere near the bubble of getting dropped after two or three years. Um, and he's won an elite series, right? But he may bop down and have to fish opens for one or two years to get back up. And then maybe by that time, he's like, you know, <laughs> and then it, when he goes back in the second time, maybe then he's a guy that contends for a classic consistently. I'm not sure. But I, I do think that is part of what, bass is trying to create here is a more responsible more strict system so the people that get there are more ready and when people fall out there's a clear path to get back in and hopefully the finances catch up to this to where it doesn't you know bankrupt people doing it mm-hmm. right exactly it, and if we don't get outside money and and things like that it's it's never going to be a true professional sport yeah, it'd be great to be golf, right? Where guys that like you've never heard of that just barely make cuts and are on the fringe of championships are still making like five hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know, yeah. Because I, I want to say like you make a cut in golf, right? Like guys you never even hear of, right? That like don't even make the final day, they're still making like a hundred grand per tournament or something crazy like that. I don't know, but like.
Yeah. And it's good. And it, and I'll, you know, however that comes apart, TK, right? We need, whether it's like corporate teams, which I actually kind of like what MLF is doing with replacing their cups with this like team deal. Because I think that really lends itself to what you're saying, TK, is that you could definitely see companies, especially non-endemics, getting behind a three-angler team in that format that the BPT is doing where they're having that team deal uh, in kind of a live format, that that is probably a lot more attractive for a, a CPG company to get behind. Um, so hopefully these are some of the steps that are going to get us where we need to be. I mean, the bass fishing is still a relatively young sport, right? It's been around since the sixties as a, you know, you know, bass, right? I mean, there was tournaments before that, but like legitimate people traveling the country fishing, you know, we're, we're less than we're about 50 years old. Right. So like, you know, baseball's like 300 years old or something stupid like that. So we'll see. I always thought that'd be cool to kind of turn it into kind of how NASCAR is or how the racing, you know, you got the, you got race teams, they're giving them the race cars are going out and getting paid to go, go race those cars around. Why can't we do it fishing? This is a great point. Yeah. Somebody start sending truckloads of bass rye to the desert mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Let's get the Saudis hooked on bass fishing, and that is our easy ticket to the gravy train. I like your thinking, Colby. Yeah, so the bass, so the bass, you can still make the classic through the college series. But yes, um, I don't know that it makes it more difficult for college guys to get noticed. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, In what way? Yeah, I don't know why that would be more difficult for college people. So. Uh, Harder for basketball. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is that college, the level of sponsorship required is not, right? There's no big entry fees. Um a lot of this, you know, the schools have avenues to fundraise. Different schools are off different. I mean, it's different every school. I know that. But there are some schools that are pretty well set up. There's some that aren't. But, like, yeah, you're fishing a handful of tournaments a year. Even when you do cash check, I feel like it goes back to the club. And I think a lot of that money goes back into the team for expenses. So I think it's kind of a – got to look at college as more of a learning experience than a, in a, than a, a money-making venture, right? That's kind of just where you're, like, learning and – you know, just like you don't, you know, <laughs> until recently, nobody's making money in college football either. Right. So I think you can't really look at like sponsorship is more of a way just to help and share expenses a little bit. But you're not ever really going to make money fishing college anyways. So. Um, and, and most of college is endemic. Right. There's I don't know that there's any non endemic outside of maybe at the, the corporate tournament level. But. Um, But we're right about an hour. I think we've pretty much covered everything there is to cover. Uh, yeah, we need some mega millionaires. Yeah. But yeah, that's only a recent thing where they can get sponsorship and stuff. But the thing is, like, and they're, I mean, you, you still have it as an individual. So the one thing about college bass fishing is it's not an NCAA. So I don't think there's anything preventing you legally, right, from making money. So if you're a good enough angler and you have a good enough social presence and you're you have a media or content creation or Instagram or YouTube, you know, the college platform, 
you know, you can definitely work with companies individually, you know, whereas like for a long time, college athletes couldn't, or you'd be breaking rules. So I guess, you know, there's a uh, both sides of the coin. Uh, I'm sorry. And you're welcome, Richard, but I think you're enjoying them. <laughs> um, bait man, get AC for the bait room. Yeah, I guess we'll see inflation. Um, but uh, yeah, so it might be time to shift over to iCast here a little bit. Um, we can quickly discuss, I, I don't know what to say about the DQ of Sprague. Obviously, there's the whole controversy about Sprague, which looked like he was potentially hooking fish outside of the mouth and the Lake Fork tournament or whatever it was a couple years ago. Um, it's hard to say, but then I guess now these texts come out and he gets DQ'd for a tournament that was back in February and July, which just seems weird. So I don't know if MLF, it sounds like MLF was sitting on this information until it was put out on public. I don't know all the details behind it, but it does seem a little mysterious. So I don't know how much you know about that. It just came out in the last day or two. I don't know. Basically, yeah, there was... I did see uh, those the text messages strangled, yeah. but I just I haven't... Yeah, so basically they just came out, and uh, and once they came out, on Facebook or social media, then MLF acted on it. But the rumor is that they've had them the whole time. I don't hmm. know. So I don't know. It's weird, right? Obviously you would think that a professional organization that would act on it right away. Um, <laughs> I don't know to say, obviously he should get DQ'd and I don't know. That looks pretty bad. <laughs> but here's the other thing is I, I think a lot of us know that this stuff happens a lot more than gets talked about. Um, but just not as many people get, not very many people get caught red-handed with the visuals, right? And so, um, I don't know. It's a no-info rule. It's obviously a, de- you know, a, a break of the rules, and I don't know what more there is to say about it other than that, I don't know. When it comes out like this and you get spotlighted, I think that's probably not going to reflect positively on you and your sponsor portfolio going forward, but I could be wrong. Can't imagine it helps. So, yeah, I think uh, if you uh, have a second, Joel, I'm going to answer the question. Uh, but uh, why don't you start telling us about ICAS? I'm going to go to a quick bio break, and I'll be right back. Okay. Well, ICAST. I uh, just got back from ICAST. I kind of... I kind of winged this one, to be honest. I, I bought a plane ticket on Wednesday afternoon, flew down there Thursday morning, and uh, went to ICAST. It's it's one of those things where I've, I've gone, I think, every year for the past five years, except last last year I didn't go. Um, and that was, I think a lot of it was just my travel schedule. I was fishing like 16, 17 national tournaments last year, so my travel schedule was just crazy and, and out of control. But uh, yeah, went down to ICAST and and uh, hung out with some of my some of my sponsors and uh, you know checked out a lot of the new products coming out and it was uh, it was a good time definitely had a good time you know I, I went down there to just really get face to face with a lot of people you know um, not necessarily go down there to 
to try to sign sponsorship deals and all that, which a lot of people think that, that you go down there for, but more so just to, uh, just to have interaction with a lot of people and meet a lot of new people. Um, you know, we go out to dinner each night and have some cocktails at night and, uh, um, you know, just like I said, get, get, get face to face, you know, um, you don't get a lot of, you don't get a lot of time with like my boss for Shimano, um, for instance, lives in, in Canada. So I don't, I don't get a lot of, a lot of time to hang out with them or see them face to face. So it's nice, you know, it's kind of everybody in the industry is, is down at ICAST and, uh, you know, it's nice to go down there and meet people and, and kind of put, uh, faces of the names that, that you've heard through, through the industry and, and, uh, it's just, it's a good time. So I didn't hear everything. Um, did you get a chance to, it sounds like a, you obviously went down there for a lot of relationship building and connecting and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's really did, why I went down there. Is, did you get to walk around and look at any new baits or anything like that or look at cool I did, stuff? I, yeah, I did. I did walk around the show. Honestly, the, uh, the new product showcase, I, I did a real quick lap through it. Um, it's kind of, I forget what I was, I was in the middle of something, but I just did a real quick lap. Uh, they got a kind of basically a gated off section um, with all the new product showcase, you know, and I just did a real quick lap. I didn't, I didn't spend as much time in there as I, as I probably should have looking at a lot of stuff, but, um, yeah, I went down there, hung out with, hung out with some of my sponsors and, uh, and met a bunch of new people and just, uh, had a lot of interaction and had some good dinners and a lot of cocktails and it's a good time. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> What was the coolest person you met down there? Who's the coolest person? Oh, man. Um, man, that's a good question. Hard-hitting questions by TK Stanley. The coolest person I met down there. Maybe Mercer? Mercer was pretty cool. Nice. Oh, Mercer for, for a little bit. I haven't, I've met him before, but he's a uh, he's a pretty cool cat. Nice. Yeah. So, do you think iCast should be open to the public? Um, no, I don't. I mean, just just for for what it is. I mean, it's it's a it's basically it's it's a trade show to release new product, um, and for vendors basically to be introduced to different companies to sell their product. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily something that you know, you're not going there to buy stuff. I should say, right. you know, it's, it's, there's nothing that you can just go there and, and open your, open your wallet and, and buy stuff. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the Bassmaster classic. I mean, obviously that's, that's open to the public you go there. They have the big, the big show there, you buy stuff and, and all that, and they release new products there as well. But ICAST is really a whole whole different ballgame. Yeah, ICAST is a trade show. The right. classic is an expo. Expo. That's... I don't know what else to say. <laughs> a trade show is not open to the public. It doesn't matter if it's fishing or electronics trade shows, things like that. Like the, the they're trade shows. They're for the trades. They're for people in the profession, not for the public. Did you see the Zaldane swim bait? I did not. I mean, I probably saw it. I I didn't take it. It's it's the Bass Mafia Magdraft 2.0. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't. 
like I said, I just I did a real quick lap around there, and you know I was talking to a lot of a lot of people, and and uh, just it, it goes by so quick when you're there. So you didn't you didn't uh, did you get your hands on the slobber knocker? I did not. Do you know what the slobber knocker is, Joel? I've heard of it. It's the Berkeley bladed jig. But. Okay, I did know that actually, but no, I didn't. I didn't get my hands on. Uh, Ryan, I guess the closest thing the bass opens would be the the Toyota series in the MLF. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Sprague was with a judge, but this was things basically there was text messages exchanged during the off limits that there was proof that he was getting information in the off limits. So it wasn't when he was on the water. Uh, best dial a reel at 250 and under. Oh, the Tutula SV? Probably. Feel free, anybody else in the audience, to chime in. So on top of the companies, on top of all the dream companies you already work with, you can wave a magic wand, Joel, and add something to your portfolio. What would be? Ooh. That's a good question. Um, man, that's... Captain Morgan? Captain Morgan. <laughs> I maybe maybe a gas company to be honest. There you go. Fuel company. So one of the fuel companies. Quick trip, shell. Quick trip uh, would be good. Yeah. Amico, uh, whatever. Gas card. Gas card every year is all I'd need. That'd be perfect. It'd be it'd be real sweet. <laughs> TK though, that's the thing is like he didn't say an uh, <laughs> endemic. So honestly, if you want to make money, you should definitely say a non-endemic company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there any one major takeaway? Whether it's like lures, baits, uh, learning about something, relationships. You no, you, you can't get into specifics, but is there anything like, a, I don't know, what, what was your big takeaway or one thing that was the most valuable piece of information or transaction or something from ICAST? Um, man, you get me with these questions. I mean, it, honestly, it, it was it was kind of the same. I mean, I guess this year was kind of, for me anyhow, personally, it was, it was kind of the same as the last last three four years i've gone it's it's going down there you know working with your sponsors sitting in the booths uh talking to your sponsors helping them out telling them about the products that you've been using on the water um you know and then and then just meeting you know meeting new people within the industry i mean it's you know as far as my job goes going down there you know there's there's a million other people that go there for as far as buyers go you know, for different companies that are going down there to try to, you know, buy products to bring into their, their stores or whatever else. But, you know, it's, uh, I guess there's, there's, there really wasn't any real major takeaways that I had this year that really come off the top of my head. It's just more, uh, you know, just, just 
working with working with these sponsors and giving them feedback on on their products and you know what that's you know what maybe i'd want to see for you know different products that have worked for me or or you know changes that i i personally think there should be yeah so 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 as long as, as i remember i mean pro fishermen pro anglers have been at icast um i think you get retailers you get distributors you get uh, actually manufacturers distributors and then you've got uh, i guess anglers and media people it's kind of basically the mix you have there and i think the pro anglers end up working the booths a lot to help the manufacturers tell the story and give the credibility when they're talking to the media and the buyers and the the retail outlets right so like you you basically work on behalf of the companies that are the manufacturers and then also gives you the chance to network and, and kind of that kind of stuff so um, it, it kind of gives a one-stop shop for, uh, you know, where, where Joel can work and kind of talk with all of his companies he works with in one place face-to-face um, versus obviously not all of your companies are local, right? So uh, you may not be able to, to do that. And then, you know, it gives kind of a one-stop shop for the media and the retail to all come together in kind of a big collaboration and get a bunch of work done and a bunch of media and a bunch of transactions and a bunch of conversations done uh, that don't really need to be clouded with, the public, I guess. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. let's see here. Let's see, uh, <sighs> hmm. Is there any new stuff any of the companies you're working with coming out of ICAST that you're excited about that they talked that was released? Yeah, um, Shimano came out with uh, with a couple new spinning reels. Um, actually, three of the three new spinning reels, which I'm I'm excited about. The uh, they came out with the Mirabelle, uh, which is uh, a spinning reel that's I think it's like 129 dollars retail, or like 129 or 139 retail. It's got the CI4 body, so it's kind of like the uh, the Stratic CI4 that is now the the Banford, um, excited about that one. They came out with a, a new Stella as well. Um, you know, that's, that's real, that's their flagship. It's real top of the line, but, uh, that's a real sweet, real sweet, real, um, Hummingbird came out with the, uh, the new mega live, uh, target lock, target lock. Yep. Um, which is, which is real sweet. Um, I actually don't have one yet. Should have one soon, I hope. Um, I was actually out fishing today, and the wind was blowing pretty good out there. And I was, I was spot locked looking at my mega live. I actually found a, a little brush pile, and and uh, my trolling motor kept moving around. I could see fish in there, and I was like, man, I really wish I had that that target lock right now. So that should be that should be real sweet. I'm excited to get that. So. Did you have you haven't used it yet? Uh, I'm not messed around with it. I've, I've played around with it, but I just I don't have one on my boat right now. Hopefully soon. Nice. Hmm. I think if I was independently wealthy, I would tournament fish. Because I think if you don't have to worry about the money, then it would be fun fishing. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I would. I for sure would just. I'd go tournament fishing. I'd 
that's what that's what gets me through, man. I I'm that cures my competitive nature. I'm so dang competitive that I uh, I just love tournament fishing. I love the blast stuff, and I love every part of it. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. Like if it's a a club tournament, a weeknight thing, like mm-hmm. um, like it's yeah, it's it's fun. I don't know the decision making and all that stuff. I definitely would like just <clears throat> run around and, and fish tournaments like a junkie. Um, <laughs> please tell if it's possible to skip with a Corrado DC. I would think it would be. I've never used a Corrado DC, but I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't personally skip with a Corrado DC, but I'm not sure. Sure you can. I, uh, I use a Corrado 70 typically if I'm I'm skipping docks with it, the UMGL. But yeah, you can you can definitely skip with it. Um, this is a good question. I don't think I think the actual ICAST show itself is just fine for the small bait companies. But I think what you see is that the the, the pure fishings and the Shimano's and the whatever. I'm not picking on anybody. They just have the marketing budget to canvas leading up to the show that that's really where they make their advantage. So I think there is an opportunity for small bait companies. And I think I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I think it's, they just have to be creative and work hard and social media. And, and I just, you know, they don't, these small bait companies don't have the, I, some of it's budget and money, but I think it's also just the resources and the, the, the manpower, the labor, right? I think a lot of these companies are, just a few people and it's literally like the person that invented it and the shipping person and a couple people that produce it. They don't necessarily have a marketing person, right? It's typically somebody on their team does marketing on the side, right? And that's probably where they lose out. They don't put the resources in they need to. I actually think that it's in the fishing industry being niche that I think if you put in the effort and you had somebody like full-time dedicated to do it, I think you could do pretty well for yourself without having a huge team, to be honest. Um, you, I, just, I, I actually saw a lot of small bait companies at the show. Um, a lot of them I've never heard of before. And, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be the ones that you're going to see, um, you know, in the, in the new product showcase and all that, just being, like you said, because of the, the marketing budget and all that. But you, I, there was a lot of booths set up with small bait companies. And like I said before, you know, you got buyers and, and a bunch of different people walking around trying to trying to look at companies to bring into into their store or their retail, you know, into different retailers. And uh, you know, it's it's a good good place if you are a small company like that. You know, you're trying to get into different retailers across the country to to be in. I thought ICAST usually crushed your wallet, Sean, not your dreams, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's uh, maybe flip over here. Like, let's look at a couple of the uh, the winner. I should before we forget, shout out to Arsenal Fishing supporting the stream. They're still working on their site. It's still under construction. It's up. The store's not working. So if you guys really want something from Arsenal, you can just DM them on Instagram or Facebook. Um, but it's taking them longer to get their site up. Speaking of small company problems, um, but let me uh, just flip up the uh, the. The, the category winners here. We'll just kind of so cooler one best of show. 
I guess this is like it's got a good story. This guy and his buddy who started this cooler company, uh, his buddy was one of the people that d- was a casualty of that Aldine concert in Vegas. And then he took his buddy's dream and finished it. So I guess that's the story behind this cooler company. Um, I honestly was fishing most of iCast week, and I really haven't been plugged in and doing a lot of editing. So I haven't really uh, looked at all this stuff. Um, but Heho, new sunglass company. Um, I feel like I tried some on at uh, Omnia. I thought they were pretty decent. I haven't worn them, but seemed decent. Uh, looks like AFCO dominated the apparel <laughs> and Sims, which is not surprising. Um, that's kind of, I think you're seeing... There's a lot of good companies, including Striker, that make really good apparel products. But I think the AFCO and Sims budgets keep them out of the winner circle and the voting uh, for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the target lock, which for those who don't know, that's the new system that basically gives you the ability to manually or automatically independently control your live target away from your spot lock uh, on your Ultrax in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine how much milfoil it catches when you're trying to flip grass. But well, I think there's a there's a quick release, so you can you can pick it up pretty quick. Yeah, it's. Does uh, this yeah. thing automatically go up and down? Can you raise it and lower it? Or yeah, not? there's I think there's a quick release that you can you can yeah. go up or down. That reminds me, I need to order some Solix knobs for my 360. Yeah. No, no, to self. I keep forgetting that. Uh, this the the pure fishing witness way net that just I mean it sounds cool, but I don't know how a net scale will stay calibrated. So for the tournament guy <laughs> or making legitimate weighing, it just seems like I mean hmm. we all know how we treat nets in the boat. <laughs> I don't know how you think yeah. that thing's going to stay like calibrated. <laughs> uh, we got a jig head that's pretty exciting. This new braid. And then Berkeley kind of dominated with their slobber knocker and, and blade minnow. But uh, I don't know, nothing super exciting here in the, the the winners. There's the Stella. The every man's working the working man's real. <laughs> um the thing is like this wins, obviously it's probably it probably literally is probably the best spinning reel that came out, but like I don't know what are the, like 750, 800 with the Stellas. Somewhere yeah, they retail right closer to 800. But I mean, most people should be more excited about that new whatever 150 dollars price point. Real and Mirabel, man, that thing is yeah. It's a have you have you fished one yet or tried one? Or I, I haven't. I mean, I've I played with them. Um, I haven't actually had one on the water yet, but I uh, I'm actually going to order a bunch of them and and uh, use them for tournament fishing, and I'm going to use them use them for guide uh, guide reels as well. Yeah, YouTube cuz doing well in fancy fishing. Yeah, you can never have too many tabs open in Chrome. Um, this freshwater rod, I heard some controversy about this. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really understand that. I did see that, and I so my I don't know how true this is. So take this with a grain of salt, but evidently. There's a small custom rod maker or a component maker that has like a, a musky rod 
custom builder that has this like pistol grip design for their rods. I guess for certain big baits, whatever they are in musky, that like that is ergonomically beneficial. Hmm. And I guess St. Croix had meetings with this company and, and, and talked to them about intent, about licensing and working together with them to do something and then just cut off talks and came out with their own. Hmm. I don't know how true that is, but that's what the rumors are going around Facebook. And things like that. Uh, who's an expert at reading Helix, Helix 10 side scan? I want to do some private lessons. Do you have any private lessons? Are you an expert, Joel? I look at my graphs a lot. I, uh, I could definitely help you out, Richard. Where you, where's he located? Yeah. So uh, I would say uh, reach out to myself or Joel. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I could probably help you find somebody where you live. And Joel traveled all over the country. So, um, but uh, yeah, look look one of us up and I uh, could probably help you find somebody, Richard. The crab would be a good chatterbait trailer. This thing? Yeah. I could see that. Maybe. Depends how big that the body part is but blade minnow or a small swim bait i i mean i do like the arsenal tactical minnow which is technically a swim bait but it's such a small paddle tail i don't typically like a big paddle tail on my uh chatterbait trailers i like something that's kind of like the blade minnow but i don't know i don't i don't see much advantage to the blade minnow over many other uh chatterbait trailers already out there i'm sure it's fine product but uh, I'm not sure why that one <laughs> best in show other than <laughs> marketing dollars hard at work. Um, we just did TK, I think. Uh, Brad, we go, eh, I mean, we'll probably be on for half an hour, give or take. Did he win the tournament? Yeah, we, got, we want to give a report. I mean, I cash my cast. We want to know how the Wednesday nighter went, Brad. Oh, I guess I got a DM from TK. Maybe that'll be a whole other topic. Hmm. Uh, near Santee Cooper, 45 minutes away. You got any opens down that way coming up? You have to go back to the southeast? I'll be at... Is there a Hartwell open still? Yeah, yeah, Hartwell. There you go. Yeah, Hartwell. Joe Willard fishing on all your favorite platforms. Yeah, yeah. Shoot me a DM. We can we try to figure something out if you're going to be over that way, or I'll be at Hartwell, and I think that's private. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't think Maryland is very close to San Chesapeake. Yeah, <laughs> Chesapeake. Not. I think it's a little ways. Yeah, the other thing I was going to, they have, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't do like great research on uh, all the things. What were some of the things my, uh, so I, I kind of reached out to the, uh, so they said the gambler brought back the knit spin ninja spinnerbait. Are the hatchet blades the best blades for grass? TK. Any thoughts on that? I'm not a big spinnerbait guy, and I, I don't know that I ever owned the Ninja spinnerbait, so I don't know where it excels. 
Maybe you could comment, TK. It seems like that's a question right up your alley. Yamamoto Nico Crawlerworm, better shimmy than the original Senko? I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, how do you see all the winners and losers? Uh, Jason says Zaldane's fanbait was the biggest loser <laughs> for being the biggest knockoff. <laughs> Adam had all kinds of stuff. He thought the River Sea Wake was released immediately after I cast through Tactical Bassin, which if you're Tactical Bassin, you're big enough to do that yourself. And you don't need I cast. That is a lot to read. And then Duffy says, uh, new SLX rods. Have you have you fished any of the SLX rods? Uh, not the new ones. I've, I've fished the older or the last model. And they're nice, but yeah, they, they definitely made uh, made some improvements to them, and um, they're nice. They're, I've heard a lot of feedback from a lot of people that that have fished them, and they're uh, heard a lot of good. So, yeah, the new Tool XT. I know Punch Fishing's doing a bunch of that. I know Omnia already sold all the ones they got in. The Maravel. That's probably something I'll check out. Pretty interested in that reel. Shimano. You use any of the Shimano hard baits, Joel? Um, I've used some of the middle world popper guy. Yeah, yeah, I've used the World Popper, um, the uh, the World Minnow. I've I've used a few of the, the crankbaits. Um, yeah, I mean, I've used a handful of them, but I haven't. I'm actually I'm, I haven't got my hands on the the new Arma joint yet, the swim bait. But excited uh-huh. to excited to get that. And I'm just I mean I'm not a huge swim bait guy, and I'm I'm not a huge I don't crank very much either to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the DT6 that I occasionally throw makes me a cranker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I've tried to pull out a crankbait here just to just to switch it up, and I just I just don't crank. Uh, I don't know much about the arc gravity reels. Uh, I do think the chunky D and the magic worm are a couple of nice looking soft plastics from Missile, and chunky D definitely wins like best in show name for new baits mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, couple of new things from strike king that's scone bug i really feel like that's like halfway between a rage bug and a menace scrub but i don't know that i need something between those two hmm. and big bites had all their sensation stuff which is kind of like their answer to maxent to some degree right i don't know i haven't seen them but so, overall i like a lot of the big bite bait stuff they have some good stuff so mm-hmm. otherwise they got like this whole thing so is this last year? Oh yeah, bad list. This is last year's. So I don't know. Like they do a really good job of like showcasing a lot of the new stuff, but it's hard to like pinpoint a good list to see all the stuff that actually because like there's so much more stuff that comes out at the show that doesn't show up in the preview articles. So I didn't spend a lot of time like right like finding and researching all the best stuff. I mean, I, I mean Tackle Warehouse there's their pre-releases, but it's just the stuff they carry. Um, so are you the only person that didn't get COVID at ICAST? True or false? Um, that might be true. Actually, (laughs) actually, I haven't talked to, I've talked to, I talked to one guy today that, that got it. Um, yeah, it's, I feel very fortunate. I didn't get it because we were on a lot of people and, there was there was a lot of people at the show and there was a lot of people at the at the after parties for sure that were 
they were uh, real close. So, I think you were flying solo this year. I was flying solo. Yeah, I just honestly, I kind of, I kind of winged the, winged the trip. Like I said before, I, I decided on, was it Wednesday night or Tuesday? Night? Yeah, we were literally going to have the show last week, yeah. and then Joel's like, calls me at like noon <laughs> it's like uh did you make the thumbnail yet <laughs> i think it was later than that i think it was like 6 i think it was noon on tuesday or like yeah it was okay. it was like tuesday yeah something like that yeah i don't i don't remember i know i bought a ticket late in, late in the afternoon and flew out the next morning so and yeah so i never rolled down there solo Ooh, that's a rough one randall tharp has dropped out of the pro circuit at champlain due to covid really so if you've got Tharp on your fantasy fishing team, <laughs> I suppose that is worthy in, in itself. Good point, AJ. <laughs> I don't know if there's a great single source. And then Joel didn't look at anything. Brad told me he had some good stories from iCast. I don't know if any of them had to do with anything to do with fishing or tackle or gear. Oh. Yeah, so I guess anybody in the uh, the chat here have any other products they want to discuss or things they saw at iCast? Be interested in looking those up here. We could probably look at Tackle Warehouse on the new stuff. Um, otherwise I, uh, didn't do as much research for this as I thought I should have. <laughs> what, uh, so you got four opens coming up. When's the next open coming, Joel? Um, I am leaving at the end of, end of August. So the opens is the beginning of September, I believe. Okay. So you got like a full month okay. here. Of yeah. I got that moment. plenty of time, man. I'm, I'm, uh. Just gonna spend a bunch of time on the water fishing. I'm gonna be up at Malax a bunch, fish locally. Um, got a. I'm leaving for Iowa this weekend for a family reunion on my on my girlfriend's side of the family, and then I got my immediate family reunion coming up in a couple of weeks. So it's a good little break. Got some family time and get to spend a bunch of time around here, hitting much of these these local lakes. It should be should be fun. And back on the road, I think be end of August, I'll be back on the road pretty much until close to November. So I hit it hard for a couple months. Nice. Here's one that was highly touted, the Plano Edge Frog Box. I feel like this solves a problem that doesn't exist because I don't think there's any problem with putting frogs in a 3700. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather buy five more frogs than spend fifty dollars on a frog box. Right. I always have I always have problems storing those in my boat. Like I I have a heavy. spot like yeah, they're just heavy and they're awkward. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, I just don't have any of them, but they look cool. I've always my, my thing I always say is that uh, I've never caught a bass on a tackle box. So I have a hard time spending more than $10 on a tackle box. True. 
let's see here. So somebody said the new Shimano spinners they're excited about. Are they like spinner baits? I have no idea. Do you know about spinning, that? Spinning reels, maybe? Well, maybe it is a spinning. Yeah, maybe that's what he's talking about. The Fish Lab Creature Bait? I don't know if I missed that one. Let's see here. Let's... Uh... I cast new releases. So let's see. You can do this by brand. All right. Ah, maybe it's these swaggy strong double wheel spinner baits. Nothing hmm. like a good twelve to thirteen dollar spinner bait. Yeah. Arrive this fall, available for pre order. Kind of reminds me of like a mega bass or trying to think there was lucky craft maybe some of the lucky craft spinner baits that came out a while back kind of has a similar kind of that jdm spinner bait look all right jdm look yeah yeah i haven't i definitely haven't got my hands on any of those yet Come on, and then we uh talked about the maravel 129 to 139 yeah it's a good spin reel Yeah, looks like they're not going to arrive till this fall, so right. have to wait on that a little bit. Joel's already got 10 of them. I don't, but I will. I'll definitely have a few. I don't know if the fish lab is in here. Oh, there it is. This one? The Nature Series Bird? Is that what you're talking about? Or is there another fish lab bait? Or is it this one? The Nymph? Maybe that one? Hmm. Yeah, Queen Tackle did kind of did to some degree, what the slobber knocker already did. Is this the this the flutter nymph, or is there a different nymph? How many fish lab nymph baits do they have? <laughs> Look at the little frog, crawdad. Yeah, the spro chad shad. That's a the chad shad is a. Uh, Clearly, a bait that has, uh, you know, been in high demand, and that collaboration with Spro is actually pretty exciting. Because, in theory, if they can pull it off and make it at a high volume, right? Then, then, you know, I think this bait retails for north of one fifty. If you can get it, if you're not buying it on the flip market, if you can even get one, and now the thought that you can be getting, hopefully, that fish catching quality for sixty bucks. That's pretty sweet. Hmm. 
I have not tried the power bait skirted jigs. Uh, Brian says nothing special on the Berkeley jigs. Best topwater walking bait from both of you. I'm a big big. What's that? What's that? Best top water. What's your favorite topping? Walking top water. Um, I mean, I I lean towards a shower blow most of the time. Yeah, I would say a shower blow for things that you can buy readily now, but I am almost always picking up a Vixen first. Oh, right. <laughs> if you if you got some, you can get some. Yeah. The Scum Frog Launch Series XS. I never tried the old Launch Frog, but let's see what the new XS one looks like. So I am a sucker for a good frog bite. You find any good frog bites lately fishing around town? No, I haven't. I, I'm not, I don't like throwing frog that much. I will if I have to. Actually, All right, stream's over. Uh, thanks, Joe, for coming on. Uh, we're going <laughs> to end things. I did throw it last night in the Tuesday nighter for quite a while, and I was talking to talking to my buddy in the boat, and he's like, oh, you just had one blow up in your frog, and I looked back, and the frog was gone. and set the hook, and nothing was there. I was the only bite I had all night on it. So. All right, Scum Frog Launch XS. What makes it XS? Smaller, more compact version. So it's an extra small launch rod. I don't know if I'm sold on the launch rugs yet. You mm-hmm. fishing the Malax? You're gonna fish the Malax? You're gonna probably be gone during that tournament. I would bet. The opens are pretty yeah. heavy in September. I bet. Yeah, I'll be gone pretty much the end of end of August through the through October. What did Joel do before fishing? What did I do? I uh, I was in the military uh, for nine years. Got out of the military. Nice. And uh, was working, did did construction um, for four four or five years, and then I worked at at Citywide, which was actually my title sponsor last year, um, and worked there for four years, and then decided I I didn't want to punch a clock anymore or get up and and uh, work every day, so so that was on a gamble and try this fishing thing and so far so good hopefully we can keep it going nice what 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 uh, branch would you serve uh in the army did, nice. did nine years in in the army yeah. well thanks for your service mr willer mitchell look forward to, to fishing against you in the toc as well uh Hamadou should be a great playing field do it came out with some good moles that's always fun for the uh, do-it-yourselfers Well, it looks like they have the tapered wire, which I think was uh, what the Vibershaft, Stanley Vibershaft, was the first person to taper their wires. Odds of the largemouth state record bass coming out of Tonka in the next few years. Uh, I don't know. They did catch a freak out there. They caught an eight. Although I don't know if the uh, the blackfish scales are weighing a touch heavy. It was a monster regardless, right? It was probably at least a seven and a half if it wasn't an eight. But, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. 
Still a big jump to get to nine pounds from eight pounds. So I don't know. I feel like it's probably more likely to come out of a southwest like Minnesota swamp lake than Tonka, right. but I could be wrong. It's like a two or three hundred acre lake that doesn't get much pressure. They know me too well. Launch frog is gas. Zena, oh, the hell, we didn't talk about the Hellraiser. Have you seen the Hellraiser? Mm-hmm. This thing is, this is probably the one true unique bait, absolutely unique, that came out at, uh, like, like this probably should have won something. Uh, there's a top water. The Z-Man Hellraiser. It's got to be on here. Come on. Look at that thing. I did see that. I didn't... You didn't know what to... You you couldn't wrap your mind around that? No. I I did (laughs) see it, though. I was like... I mean, look at the the pull point on that hook, like the line tie. Mm Mm-hmm. So this evidently was designed by, I forget his name. Maybe it says in the description. The guy that actually, uh, was it Ron Davis? The guy that originally invented the chatterbait and designed this bait. And I've seen some video of it, and it kind of like, almost like a spook in a crawler. Topwater had a baby, but it it rides Mm -hmm. really ass down right that blade and then it like swims like might be a might, might be like a big florida deal with the needlefish yeah but interesting i could definitely see it also playing on the herring lakes maybe big time right. that's what i was just thinking maybe oh. <laughs> uh, I, don't I don't know it says october 31st i don't know if you're gonna get it in time yeah, but the color they went with, like in the new product showcase, this was the color they they put in there, which makes I mean it's already a very unique. And then they put this as the the main photo. Kind of almost looks like maybe I thought it was like a saltwater deal when I saw it because of this color. We probably yeah, like, yeah. no that yeah because this really looks like the Strike King Rage Blade attachment on right. the butt of it. It's interesting. Purple, I'll have to, I'll have to try Yeah, so I, I heard, I saw this briefly. So the musk, one of the, I don't know if this is, I don't know much about musky fishing. I don't know if this is like the musky circuit or one of the musky circuits or what, but they've banned front-facing live sonar in their tournaments. And I don't know if it's just for certain ones or the whole season or as a trial, but. Hmm. Which I could see for muskies, kind of could i mean i don't know i'm a little bit torn on this because muskies i i i could see because they they probably stick out on live sonar really well right like a muskie i'm sure you've seen big pike and muskie they're they they have a very unique shape on live i imagine right Mm -hmm. and uh in some situations now on a grass lake 
probably wouldn't help you, but on lakes that don't have grass, I would imagine muskie could be easy to stock, but I don't know. I've never fished for muskies that way or fished for muskies a lot to know whether that's really like, can you like stock a muskie like you can stock a smallie on Green Lake and Spicer <laughs> and just keep casting at it and pester it? I don't know. Right. But interesting. Yeah. Uh, and does this set a precedence for other tournaments? Uh, I could definitely see local tournaments, smaller tournaments, league night tournaments following suit, right? Like, because let's, I mean, there is, I mean, front facing doesn't always play, but it does play at times. And at least where we live in our local derbies, front facing probably doesn't play a ton because we have so much grass and stuff. I mean, right. but it does uh, bonus fish here and there, but it's like, I, mean, I can see like, if you're really fishing a local league, you know, a uh, hundred bucks a night, 50 bucks a night. I could see putting some limitations on this just, you know, cause like you're kind of, you know, stifling and barrier to entry and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, I don't think in bass fishing, we're going to see it at the top level being restricted anytime soon, but it does surprise me that, it, but maybe there is, I don't know about musky fishing to really speak super intelligently on how good a move or this a bad move, or I don't know. Do you have any insight? I, we need I to have know. Cody. If I, if I was to go musky fishing, I think it'd be awesome to use the yeah use a mega live and uh, target them that way. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I don't. I guess I don't. I don't musky fish. South Jersey, you're always talking about stuff that I have know nothing about. You're like me 15 years ago when I was a super bait junkie nerd, and now I've. I've kind of gotten to the evolution curve where I'm looking to like simplify things and, and do less. This seems like a easy answer. 100% the classic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Slow retrieve or walking the dog bait. Uh, whatever the fish want. I don't know. It's uh, on the Hellraiser. I think it's more of a, like, I think you're supposed to fish it kind of fast and it snakes kind of shimmies across the water. It actually looks pretty good when I saw it in the water. Like when I first looked at the Hellraiser, I was like, that looks stupid. And the only thing that I would be slightly concerned about is with that position. Like if you hooked one, that pull point could be really weird. Uh, like how would it keep fish buttoned would probably be my biggest question. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And then does that that back blade block the hook from hooking things? So hookups and keeping them hooked would be my biggest concerns with the Hellraiser. You're not supposed to lip them, Sean. Uh, I don't have live yet. I'm still torn on whether. Oh, here you go, Joel. You've got both. I'm going to have live and I'm going to have shallow water anchors. Which one should I put on the Camus first? Mm. Both. <laughs> I mean, I use them both. So I, uh, I don't. I mean, probably. You're a shallow water guy, so probably, probably for you, probably the anchors. What? How dare you? I don't know. They're. Well, we'll see. On you can see you can see the live on prior and. 
I've, I've fished a couple times with it. Um, but it's, dude, it's sweet. I, I was out today on a, a small South Metro Lake and I caught a lot of fish on it today, hmm. just seeing them cruising around. It's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I just got it on my boat this year. And I always, I've always had the 360. And I was like, I don't need, I don't need a live. I just use the 360 all the time. It's one of those things that I thought I didn't need it. And now that I have it, I was like, how did I live without it? You know, it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're not always using it, but when the time is right, it's, yeah, it makes a big difference. Put a lot of, a lot of extra fish in the boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of it too. Like neither one of them are super easy to get, <laughs> especially if you want the new thirty-four transducer for Garmin and Mega Live. Super hard to get. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, won't be tomorrow night. I'm fishing a Friday nighter, but maybe next week you'll see Joel and I Thursday nighter on Prior. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. We did have AJ on from Horseshoe Customs last week, and I know several of you bought stuff. I also ordered something because I looked at his sh- stupid tube heads, and I was like, I need some of those. So, and I saw somebody else said they got their stuff in, and they were pretty impressed with uh, AJ's stuff. So I want to peek in the package. Oh, I got some. Oh, look at this! Got me a Horseshoe Customs sticker and a cheap sticker. Thanks, AJ. You got some stupid stupid too, Joel? No? Do what? Sorry, you you I don't know if it's my internet or your internet. You're cutting out. It's on the internet. But it's streaming stuff. Let's see. We'll stop this. Second here. See if that helps. Come on. Much better now. Much better? We're good? Yeah, you're good now. I stopped sharing my screen, so maybe that helped. Okay. But uh, so, you ever stupid tube? No, I no. I've you know, I've thought about it so many times. I actually watched, I think, your video, your YouTube video of you rigging that. Yeah. So AJ had some pretty good looking stupid tube hooks. So I uh, we ordered some from AJ. Good. Nice EWG. Yeah. So let's try rigging one up here. So we got a little like a two and uh, it's like a three and three quarter inch tube maybe. So we're going to see how this fits in my little tube here, AJ. We're going to live test this. Just like that. It's pretty juicy. Looking pretty good. So I'm 
Looking good, AJ. So, if you guys haven't tried it out, go ahead and uh, AJ says he's he's got plenty of 316s. Order as many as you want. He'll keep pouring just 316s is what he told me. Huh, fat Ica tube? Yeah, I don't know. A little bit different bait, but yeah. So yeah, that's my new uh, purchase. I'll be throwing these all nighter on Prior Lake next week, catching 12-inch bass with Joel. It'll be a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the wide gap for my uh, this, and then I use my agitator heads a lot for this. But you kind of to rig it correctly or a shaky head. I think I'm still live. I don't know if you're, are you live, Matthew? I'm not sure. Are we like in the, the matrix? I'm not sure what's going on here. Do you have a from Rich? You can then here, you can search for two customs. In the chat, go. Just have the kids in know stop using all my. You're breaking up real bad again, Rich. Yeah. What's going on? All right. Is that any better? Am I back? You're good now. I don't know. I just texted my children to get off the internet. Maybe that helped. <clears throat> I blame Bateman Jr. for playing Xbox. Uh, but, all right. So I just posted the link, I think, for the Stupid Tube. So if you want to check those out, AJ said... He'll keep pouring them if you guys want them. The nice thing is he literally sells them one a piece for like 50 cents each, so it's not a bad deal. Um, but maybe this is the uh, the internet God's telling us we need to wrap things up tonight, Joel. Whatever you want to do. I'm, I'll hang out all nighter. I'm guessing Lightner must have ripped him up, and he's celebrating the Wednesday nighter, so what the – to see in the future but so thanks for joel coming on uh if you want to follow joel along on his adventures you can check out the sickness uh on youtube right and then uh, joe willard fishing on all your favorite 
Instagram, social media, Facebook platforms, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you want, show up next Thursday night and uh, see if you can beat Joel on the Thursday nighter on prior. That's it. And uh, if you guys came in late uh, and you want to hear all about the opens discussion, go back to the beginning, uh, watch the replay on Facebook or YouTube, or search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app. We recover all that. I think we covered all the bases tonight, and I want to thank Joel for coming on. And uh, I don't know what else to be said. we got some new videos coming out. Uh, going fishing this week. Got some tournaments coming up in August. And uh, maybe we'll make a video next Thursday night, or the, the Thursday night around prior. That'd be cool. And uh, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass, suck less. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.